Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I want to talk now to uh, Tasha Carradine, who uh, wrote an op-ed in the National Post. She's a columnist for the Post, broadcaster, of course, as well. Tasha wears many hats. The, uh, the op-ed is, Principal's Death Shows That Schools Are Focusing on the Wrong Thing. And uh, it has to do with Tasha's personal friend, Richard Bilkstow, who was, uh, as you know, who committed suicide. It's an international case now. It's taken on international proportions. And the incident surrounding it is being investigated by the Ontario Ministry of Education. Also, the Toronto District School Board has engaged the services of an outside investigative organization. Meanwhile, the DEI facilitator, I want to tell the whole story here. I'm going to let Tasha do that. The head of the Kojo Institute says she welcomes the investigation and challenges what is alleged to have occurred to the DEI training session, suggesting right-wing media are attempting to use the incident to discredit DEI training. Um, Tasha Carradon is uh, with us, and she's been named to Canada's top 100 most powerful women, a principal with Navigator Limited, strategic advice and communications firm. She's a lecturer at McGill University, an author, and a broadcaster. First of all, how do you find time for all that? <laughs> well, it's, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> and you're a mother? <laughs> a lot of hats, right? You've got, you got a lot of hats, too. Yeah, no, I mean, the first time that, well, I, I, yeah, I wear, I wear one hat, just wear different angles. <laughs> but <laughs> There you go. <laughs> when, I, when I first talked to you uh, some years ago, I thought, well, here's somebody who's going to be really great in media, somebody who's going to be really, really great in, in radio. And that you, you're doing so much. I'm, I'm so impressed, Tasha, so impressed. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So please, your perspective. Richard was your friend. Yes. So. Hello? Yes. Go ahead. Oh, just, just, I just, you could have... No, the story, the story your way. Okay, so um, I met Richard on the set of The Agenda. Uh, all of us are familiar with that, Steve Pakin's show on TVO, where both of us were there to talk about a school lottery system that the Toronto District School Board had implemented for specialized schools. And we were both opposed to the changes that brought in this lottery. And so we met there and um, debated the issue. And after that, um, I felt quite passionate about it. My daughter is going into the TDSB next year, well, this year coming up, and Richard was a principal there for 24 years. And so I became involved with a group of parents and educators who were concerned about the, the changes to the, to the system of admission to these schools. And we worked together to help present deputations and other things to the school board to make this, our voices heard. And in the course of that, Richard told me he had a lawsuit. And um, he asked for my help because as a friend, uh, you know, I, I do this, I do this work, but, it, you know, in my professional life, but as a friend, I also have some knowledge, like you said, of media. So I said, well, I'll help you because media were getting interested in the story. And so he wanted some help navigating that. And so I was working with his lawyer and him, helping him to do that. And in the course of that, 
it became obvious he was very, very anxious and concerned about it. But none of us really had a sense of how bad it was. Um, he had gone through these sessions, these DEI sessions in 2021, and they had at the time resulted in him really falling into uh, depression. He had anxiety. He had insomnia. He was so debilitated by them because he felt that not only had he been shamed in front of 200 of his peers for, for no valid reason, but he also had been let down by the school board he served for 24 years. And as a result, at the time, he went to workers' compensation because he was off work for two two and a half months, I believe it was, um, due to the stress that he had experienced as a result of these sessions. And he won. They said he was bullied, harassed, intimidated during these um, the course of this, this sessions that were organized by the TDSB. And he won an award, but he wanted also an apology from the school board. He wanted um, compensation for moral injuries. So he sued them. And this lawsuit is now the one that um, people are talking about that is, you know, against the TDSB for this. And in the course of all this, um, his family said that he was unable to recover from the stress and these incidents continue to plague him and he succumbed to this distress. And uh, that's what happened a couple of weeks ago. And everyone is, who knew him is, is shocked and horrified and never wants this to happen again to anybody. Yeah, condolences to you and the family. Thank and, you. And you're losing your friend, they're losing their family member under terrible circumstances. Now, um, suicide is, a, is a, it's just a very difficult thing to comprehend, to live with, and for the survivors, it's it's doubly difficult. So, so this was the DEI course facilitator who now says that uh, what's been reported, if I understand correctly, I, I did leave a voicemail today uh, inviting them to come on the program. We haven't heard back. I could have done that sooner, but I did it today. And uh, the, uh, the person who ran the course was also the founder of the Kojo Institute. And by the way, it's, it's the news is that they claim as clients some organizations that say they never were, uh, never hired the company, or, are, or no longer engage them. I'm not suggesting anything here by saying that. It's just what, what what's being reported. But the, the, the facilitator of the course says, this is just a story that's being manipulated by right-wing media to discredit DEI, you say. No, not at all. Um, this is, it's, it's a story that needs to be told to make sure that this type of DEI, the, the, the humiliating or the humiliation type of DEI does not happen because you don't make the world a better place for all people of all races by denigrating somebody, um, humiliating them and calling them out when you know nothing about their story. This, this, this happened on a Zoom of 200 people you know, during the pandemic. Like situate yourself back at the time. Everyone was in their house. Everyone was slightly you know, stressed to begin mm -hmm. with. Yeah. Um, and when Richard objected during the course of his Zoom, and, you know, the, the tapes don't lie. Um, we have heard the tapes. Uh, and he objected because um, he had taught in the United States. He had worked and lived there. And he objected to the notion that the U.S. is fundamentally more racist than Canada. And the, the, the instructor had cited her experiences to say that Canada has not dealt with its racism the way the U.S. has. And so he objected to this and said, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's really the case. And she shut him down and said, we are here to talk about anti-black racism, but you in your whiteness think that you can tell me what's really going on for black people. How does that help anyone? How does that attitude help anyone? How does that, and, and this is fundamentally the thing is, how does this kind of training framed in that, in that way help more black kids graduate from school? 
how does it help more Latin, um, uh, Latinx or Latino children who are also not graduating at the same rate as white and South a- and East Asian rather students graduate from school? It does nothing. And this is what I find objectionable is that the type of training that was done here does not sensitize people. It demonizes people. It divides people. You can sensitize people to issues and put in place policies that help children from backgrounds that are not succeeding as well in school to do better, but this is not the way to do it. And so this is what, this is what the story is. It's not about right-wing media. It's not about, it's about a course that was given that never should have been framed this way. And that it was, it was just a bad way to do this. And it was bullying and, and bullying is never okay. Right. It doesn't matter what color you are. No, absolutely. Bullying is never okay. No, I've heard some programs on bullying and it destroys people, destroys them. It really does. But kids, you know, bullied at eight, nine years of age, when they're in their 40s and their 50s, they would call in and they would still be in tears about what happened to them when they were kids. You heard, did I hear you say that you heard audio of this session? Yes. There is audio of the sessions, yes, um, that has been played to media. I'm not sure where the audit is, the, the, you know, the lawsuit has audio attached to it. Mm. My understanding is, I don't know what's been submitted. I'm not the legal counsel on this, but. There, the sessions themselves, and the Toronto Star said they also heard the sessions, and there was an article written about it and cited things from the sessions that, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what the facilitator said. Um, she also you know, applauded herself for calling out this man, um, saying that, you know, this was a real-life example of someone supporting white supremacy. You know, to be told that you're essentially a white supremacist is devastating, especially to someone like Richard, who had himself during his life faced discrimination and fought it for other people, other students, students he taught in inner city schools. Like it was just devastating. And again, it was the pandemic. Everyone was at home. Nobody could go out and network and fight back against this, right? This was said in front of your colleagues and it was a stressful environment where everyone felt that, you know, they were invited to pile on and they did. And then the, the zoom shuts off and you're sitting there in your home in the dark going, Oh my gosh, I've just been like, my career has just been torched. And that was how he felt, um, and legitimately so. And other people, the, the WSIB cited other people in the actual sessions with him who confirmed those things were said and confirmed they also felt very uncomfortable with the tone that the facilitator took. Um, Tasha, are you satisfied with the way the provincial government is handling this? The education minister says there's going to be an investigation. TDSB, the Toronto District School Board, which was who was the or which was the employer of uh, Richard, the Toronto District School Board has hired a company that, uh, from what I understand, doesn't usually do this kind of work. Is it doing, is it being handled properly? Um, well, I don't know how the province is going to be handling exactly. Um, a number of us in the, the community, the group that had been working with Richard and friends, we would like to know how, because we feel it's important for voices to be heard in that process. It's not clear what the process is. I, I'm glad the minister is going to be looking into it, but we, we have yet to see how that inquiry or that investigation will go. I don't think the school board should be hiring and paying public dollars to an investigative firm that, by the way, it's an international investigative firm. They inter- investigate criminal elements, criminal wrongdoing. That's a curious choice. It is a very curious choice. The investigator in question is highly regarded and reputable, but in a field that has nothing to do with HR, DEI, nothing. So what are they investigating exactly? Uh, Is this for the lawsuit? Is this to 
I don't know, to defend the school board. That's what it seems like to me looking at it. And that's not what this is about. I don't think the school board should be investigating itself. It makes no sense. The provinces said they will investigate. The province is the one who should be doing the investigation and they should be bringing in, if they need expertise, bring it in. But expertise to see what happened here. What was the chain of approval for this uh, for this contract, for example? What happened after Richard complained and nothing was done? That's where things fell apart. Had the TDSB addressed this, had they rectified it, he would probably still be here because that's all he wanted. He wanted the school board to, t- to have his back, and they did not. So that's the piece that has to be looked at is why was he, why was he as an instructor not supported by the school board? Yeah, much more to come. A difficult segue here. I want to ask you uh, to wear another one of your hats and talk to us about politics. Can we do that? We can always talk about politics. The Trudeau government, according to the most recent polling, looks like they're in a uh, significantly difficult position here, uh, sliding badly with voters across the country. What are you, how are you reading this? Well, I'm reading it as fatigue with this government and um, people being angry about the economic situation so many of them are facing. I mean, you're, you're seeing a 10-point gap. It is the biggest gap that um, we've seen in polling uh, in about, I think, six months, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the I think that the sense is that this government is tired. Um, and even though inflation is dropping, interest rates are still going up. And we've got to realize that inflation was so bad in the last two years that, you know, prices today might not be rising as fast, but they rose so quickly. So now people are two years in paying significantly more for groceries, for everyday items, and there are still shortages of things like you can't buy a car. Good luck finding, you know, <laughs> new cars and even used cars and things. And people have a sense that things are not great, mm-hmm. right? And the government's paying the price for that. I think that, you know, that, that frustration has set in, which explains a lot of how the cabinet shuffle played out and who was put in which positions. It wasn't a shuffle. It was an explosion. <laughs> Cabinet blow up? Maybe. Yeah, cabinet blow up. First of all, why do we need thirty nine cabinet ministers? You know, it's uh, it's a big cabinet. It's, it's like a it's like a giant wardrobe. It's not even really a cabinet. <laughs> it's yeah. a giant wardrobe. It's an IKEA wardrobe. Pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now Pierre Polyev, his performance. You didn't support his leadership campaign for the Conservative Party. Are, are you uh, are you satisfied with the job he's doing? Um, I think he's doing some things right and others not. Um, I think that he was hammering. And when he hammers on the economic message, I think that is that makes a lot of sense from the conservative perspective and also from his own perspective. Um, I think it's something that he's always been his very own message in terms of, uh, you know, restraining spending, lower taxes, um, better, you know, I think more judicious spending as well as opposed to just spending on new programs. So I think that's very consistent for him. What, where the conservatives went off message again in this case, um, you know, it just it sort of blew a lot of people's minds online. Rechi Valdez um, was named to the cabinet. She's from Mississauga Streets, uh, Streetsville, and um, she was named as a new minister of small business. And the tweet that went out from the conservatives was that, you know, she supported vaccine mandate. Okay, guys, uh, you know, the pandemic is done. Um, <laughs> it's done. <laughs> we're all trying to forget it ever happened. And to bring that back, it's like, okay, let's animate the base and get them mad about her. Come on. You know, this is what I find, the sort of pettiness that sometimes just seeps back in and you're like, okay, no, move forward, hit the issues that really matter. 
So, you know, and, and Pierre's makeover, I'm, I'm not 100% sold on it personally. I, I think that, you know, it, it's cosmetic, sure, but it shows that it shows the conservatives are trying to, to, to change up and, and, I don't know, be have him be more, I don't know, appealing and, and visually appealing. I don't know exactly what it's supposed to do, but it, it also became a talking point, right? And again, I don't think that's helpful. I think focusing on the issues that really matter to people, bread and butter, that stuff is helpful. That is so important. People have to know something about you. They have to feel comfortable with you, have a sense of who you are before we get into the election campaign. Tasha, thank you so much for the time. And again, condolences on the loss of your friend. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Take good care. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.